not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, everybody shout if. Instead, you ought to say if. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is sin to them. Everybody shout if. James defines what life is in this moment here. And this is many, one of many definitions that the Bible gives on what life is or what the pursuit of life is or the understanding of life is. But he gives you this thought and he says the understanding of life is this. Is, this is what you need to know. Some of you, you have not been faced with your own mortality in a little while. It's been a little while since you went to a funeral. It's been a little while since you looked death in the face. It's been a little while since you've been scared. But you always need to remember that life is but a mist and it is but a vapor. It is here in one moment and then poof, it is gone the next. He said, don't live your life in some presumptuous way that says, well, you know what? Next year we're definitely going to do this and next year we'll take that vacation and next year we'll take the kids there. And next year, honey, I promise and one day and, and you know, in, a, in just a few years when we get this settled and that's a, be careful with some of your planning because it's presumptuous. But rather what you ought to say is if the Lord wills. And what James tells us is this. You need to say if the Lord wills because tomorrow is promised to no one. That's a shocking reality, isn't it? It wasn't a good warm-up to this, was there, James? It was like, just bam, this is what life is. It's but a mist and a vapor. Poof, it can be here one minute and gone the next. And the reason why I decided to share this message with you today was because over the last three weeks, I've been looking at that, I've been feeling that, I've been surrounded by that. I've even shared you a little bit of the story. There's a young man in our church whose name is David Cohn, and... Um, He's been battling a disease in his lungs for his entire life. It's called cystic fibrosis. Most kids that get cystic fibrosis don't live to be more than 6 or 12 years old. But not David. David was a different guy. And he kept fighting and he kept just showing up and he kept just overcoming and he kept battling and he kept wowing the doctors and he just kept on and kept he's like the little engine that could. And sure enough, he just gets older and older in life. And sure enough, I mean, you're meeting this guy who's, who's in his 30s. And people usually don't have cystic fibrosis in their 30s. Here's why. They don't make it to 30. They usually don't make it in their 20s. And here was this guy named David who just kept chugging along and chugging along. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've shared with you this story that he, he got a diagnosis just three Mondays ago that basically said that he had chronic rejection of the lungs after he had already had two double lung transplants. Chronic rejection just means your body is completely rejected and there's no hope of turning back and basically you have weeks, maybe months at most to live. And he shared this story with me on a Monday night in our young adult Bible study and over the last three weeks we've been battling, we've been praying, we've been in hospitals, we've been all over the place holding hands, praying, 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 believing God. But you know, David said something to me that Monday night that he told me the report. He said, you know what, when I pray, don't get me wrong, I'm believing God for big things and I'm believing God for a healing and I'm believing God to overcome, but you know what, above all, I'm praying, it's whatever the Lord wills. And here again, you kind of see this perspective on, um, in last week, David went on to be with the Lord. And David passed away from us. 
And again, after two weeks of being in the hospital and just going through it, um, he was able to come home. He had, he had gotten over the infections. He had gotten over the hurdle of some of the main issues. But the doctors kept saying, well, there's still a chronic rejection. There's still nothing we can do more. And at some point, he said, you know what? I'm just ready to go home. And he literally went home to his home. And so he went home and, and with his wife and with his friends, and they basically set up a hospice care. And it was just a, really a day or two later that he was um, into a shutdown mode where his body was beginning to fail, and eventually he passed on to be with the Lord. If you want to put this up here, um, as a picture of him facing away. David is a good-looking guy. Um, you know, at, at the funeral, you know, they showed all these pictures, and man, he's just a good-looking guy. Like, even the night I was with him, the night before he passed away, it is I'm holding his hand, and even as I'm praying for him, um, in, in the middle of me praying for him, I looked at him, and I thought, man, he has such great hair. I wish I had his hair. I mean, like, really, I really wish I had his hair. He's a good-looking guy. He's got a beautiful wife, and he has an amazing family support system around him that all just absolutely believe in God, kept believing, kept fighting, kept praying, kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on. But for whatever reason, as they were dwelling within the tension, for whatever reason, David went on to be with the Lord. Because you can't always just assume that tomorrow will come. And when you're surrounded by that and you're around that and sometimes you're facing death, you realize that tomorrow's promise to no one. And sometimes you hear of freak accidents, you hear of loved ones, or you hear of people from friends of a friend of a friend that just had these weird instances where they pass away quickly with no real, you know, setup. There was just sudden, it was out of nowhere. And you, you have this thing and you're reminded life is but a mist, it's but a vapor. It can be here one minute. And be gone the next. Therefore, let's not be presumptuous, but rather let, you know what we ought to do? We ought to say, if the Lord wills. And as I looked at David's life, and I looked at all that he was, how many know when you go to funerals, sometimes you have to work really hard to make that guy or that girl sound good? And you really have to lean hard into some of those, you have to dig deep into some of those stories to find the good. I'm telling you what, there was not, there was not one thing that I could think about David that was negative that came to mind. There was not one time where David was on my brain and I could remember a bad moment with him. I can never remember a time where he talked bad about somebody or was doing the wrong thing or was, I mean, this guy was truly one of the best. And if you knew him, you knew that. And he truly was one of the best. As a matter of fact, heaven, if it's possible, heaven got nicer. Heaven got friendlier. Heaven got a little bit more laughter even. And, and this world is a lesser place without him. There, there's no doubt about that. And David's life, for those of you who don't know him, I want to share with you a real quick glimpse of, of David's life because here's the deal. I think David had a lot to teach us because a kid that had this disease his entire life was also the kid that never ever told you about it and always wanted to pray for your needs. He was the young man that always wanted to make you laugh, to uplift your life, to pray for you, to believe for you, and rarely ever, even if you met him, and many of you did, you never knew he was sick. You never knew he had just been in the hospital. You never knew that he just had tubes down his nose. Why? He just didn't want to talk about it. He was more interested in you, which is what made him a great person. And here's what I want to share with you this morning is I want to share with you a real quick glimpse of David's life and tell you, because see, here's what we know, is that David is in a better place right now. But if he could come back and share anything with us today, he would say, if the Lord wills, here's what you need to do. The first thing I want to share with you is, is this. If, if the Lord wills, you need to laugh often. You need to laugh often. 
Like David was the epitome of, of laughter and joy and friendliness. This guy always had a joke, always had a comment, always had a quirk, always had something funny to say. As a matter of fact, for those of you who maybe don't remember who David was, David actually was in a lot of our videos here at the church. And real quickly, I just want to show you one of the, because I didn't realize the picture was him pointing in the other direction. I want to get you a glimpse of David coming from this video. Check this out real quick. Honey? I just booked a trip to Italy. You're gonna have to trust me on this one. And guess what? The champagne ain't gonna be drinking itself. <laughs> oh. Honey, hold on, hold on, I hear him coming right now. I gotta go, I love you too. Mr. Cohen, how are you? Mr. Array, how are you today? Good to see you. Thank you for coming so soon. Yeah, I came as soon as I got your message. What's going on? Well, as your financial advisor, I have Shifted some accounts. That sounds pretty good. Shifting accounts, I like the sound of that. Yes, I moved some stuff around, some investments that you have made without me. Unfortunately, you lost a little bit, but I recovered you. I got you up out of that hole. Lost some money? How much did I lose? I took the liberty of printing out and itemizing your accounts. You lost a few thousand. A few thousand? How did this happen? Do you have the exact number? The numbers are all right there in the reports. It's it's total about $8,423. How do I lose $8,423? Mr. Ray, we value you as a customer. I'll tell you what, we can jump on my pens. And I'll take you out to dinner tonight. We'll go to this great Italian place down the street. Look, Italian food sounds great, but for $8,000, I could have gone to Italy myself. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that was David Cohn. David Cohn was in many, many of our videos. He was, he was my wife's husband in one of our videos for some reason. He was the unsaved character that Jonathan was trying to tell Jesus about. One time he was this character. Anyway, David was a, a wonderful, wonderful guy. And, and if you know anything about David is this, is David always wanted to have you laugh and always wanted to tell you a joke. and always. So, so here's my encouragement to you. If the Lord wills, like if you get tomorrow and if you get the next week, can you laugh more? I really want you to. David would want you to. You know why? The Bible actually says that a merry heart does good like medicine. How many of you know that that to be true? Like if you go read medical, doc, let, let, me, let me read off a couple of things. you like, this is what research has proven. Research has proven that laughter boosts the immune system, increasing the number of antibody-producing T-cells. Basically, it makes you less likely to get sick. Not only that is, is it lowers the levels of, of the hormones that are associated with stress. So like some of us are stressed. Some of us are anxious. Some of us are worked up. You need to laugh more. Like you literally need to, because nothing is going to change about your circumstances. The only thing that's going to change is you, inside of your circumstances. So laugh more often. Not only that, um, laughter relieves pain by releasing endorphins into your system. Laughter also has been found to benefit the way blood flows through the body, reducing the likelihood of heart disease. They actually say that 15 minutes of laughter a day is just as important as 30 minutes of exercise three times a week. So laugh more. Laugh more. It's, it's worth it. And if you know anything about David, he would say, you need to laugh more. And this was the guy that even on the night that he told us that his lungs had been rejected, 
he was explaining to some of the people in our group that didn't know all of David's stories that he had had two different double lung transplants. And he said, so I am like in and out burger. I'm the number one. I'm a double-double. And, and, you know, this is a guy that's looking, looking death in the face, and he's still cracking jokes. Why? Because Mary Hart does good. Like, as a matter of fact, he went on to tell me, he said, normally it's hard to get a lung transplant, let alone two of them. He said the only reason they even risked, this is what they told him, the only reason they risked doing the second double lung transplant with him was because of his attitude and his outlook on life. I think we all could use a little bit more laughter in our lives. David would say, if the Lord wills, don't take the little things for granted. Just don't do it. Don't, don't take. There's so many little things that we see all the time, that we experience all the time, that we just don't really get to appreciate. Let, let me give you an example. Um, I am pretty good at not getting sick. I don't get sick very often, but when I do, I'm a big baby. Can I get an amen out there? Is anybody else out there like that? Like, you just want, you know, you're a big wimp. Um, I'm like that. And here's the worst part of being sick. You know what it is for me? Is when you can't breathe through your nose. I want to punch somebody in the face. I get so angry and so grumpy and just so, uh, and my wife just knows, just, just, just leave me alone and throw food in the room and shut the door. And so, because like, here, here's the problem. Like when you can't breathe through your nose, like I can't sleep good. Because you ever do that? Like you can't breathe through your nose, then you end up sleeping, and then your, 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 your throat gets all dry. All, you know what I'm talking about? Should I continue? Do you get... There's nothing worse, and, and, and you know, it'll, it'll, sometimes I'll get like these sinus infections that go along with it, and I just can't breathe through my nose, and I will sit there and be like, dear Jesus, I just want to breathe through my nose. Because when you get so overtired because you can't sleep, you get delirious and stupid, right? So that's when you start being just weird. Like, oh, I want to breathe, God, I just want to breathe through my nose, and that's your last dying request. And what's amazing is, is when it finally breaks, and you can breathe through your nose again, you're just like... Thank you, Jesus. That's your exhale. Because you're just so happy to be able to breathe through your nose and sleep peacefully. And for about a day, I'm thankful that I can breathe through my nose. For about one day, maybe two at most, I'm like, oh, this just feels so good. I can breathe through my nose. But then by day three, I forget. And I go on with my life. And I forget that I ought to be grateful that I can breathe through my nose. And then I think about all my whininess and all my wimpiness. And I think here, here was a young man in David who struggled his entire life to breathe. Why am I complaining? Why am I complaining about the little things and making a fuss over the little things? And you know what? And, and taking for granted all the little wonderful things that come by every single day. So here's, here's what I want you to do in, in, in making sure that you you don't take for granted. You say thank you often. You say thank you as much as it comes to your mind. You say thank you. Here, so take a deep breath. Go for a hike. Ride a bike. Swim in the ocean. Laugh with friends. Embrace loved ones. Smell the top of a baby's head. And every time you do anything even remotely close to those things, you just reflect and say thank you. Because sometimes tomorrow is not promised to us all. So if the Lord wills, soak it in and don't take the little things for granted. He would also say this. He would say, if the Lord wills, don't waste your life. It's just too short. Like for some of us, we'll live to be 70, 80, 90, God willing, 100 years old. It's still too short. It's just a mist. It's a vapor. It's a blink and it's gone. 
For those of you who are older out there, how do you know, like, all of a sudden, like, it seemed like your childhood moved so slow, and then your 20s amped up a little bit, and then you get, and all of a sudden, like, your 40s are zooming, your 50s, are, and it's like, it's just life is just moving so quickly. Why? It's because many times we just don't recognize that life is short. It's precious. It's here one minute, and then it's gone the next. So if life is short, can I encourage you real quick here? Don't stay offended. Like, life is too short to stay offended, isn't it? Like, I know that you got mad at somebody in the last week or two. And you have the ability to stay offended, but life is too short to stay offended. So you know what you need to do? You need to forgive quickly. Life is so short to put other people down. It's just too short. So encourage people, lift other people up. Life is too short to be angry all the time. So not only do you need to laugh, but try to make others laugh as well. Life is too short. It's just too short. So go ahead and take the little bit of time that God has given you and leverage it for his kingdom. We've all been given a little bit of time and a little bit of talent. I'm telling you, leverage it to do something good for someone else, to build the kingdom, to help other people, to bless other people, to do something great because it only happens for this much time and then it's gone. So leverage every opportunity that you got. Everybody say, all right. In 1988, there was a French newspaper who, um, who accidentally mistakenly wrote the obituary of Alfred Nobel. His brother died. They had gotten the wrong information and they thought Alfred had died. And so in this obituary, the writer began to describe Alfred Nobel's life. And this is what he said. He, he has the headline that Alfred Nobel is the merchant of death who made his fortune by finding a way to kill the most people as ever before in the shortest time possible. And he died yesterday. Now here's the problem. Alfred wasn't dead. But he read the obituary. And you know what he did? He got a glimpse of what his life looked like. He got a glimpse of that short period of time that we've all been given. And he looked at what other people had seen about his life. And he's seen what he had done and what he had accomplished in that life. And you know what he realized? I have the ability to look back now on my life as if I were dead and I can go back and rewrite my history. I can't change my past, but I can rewrite my future and I can change what I do so that I change how I was remembered and the legacy that I lived. Life is too short and so Alfred Nobel actually changed everything about his life and moved everything towards, in his life towards helping other people, blessing other people, and making peace on earth. And he actually was already a multi-multi-millionaire, was huge back then obviously, he took all that money and donated it and turned it into saying, let's get more people bringing peace to planet Earth. Let's get more people helping. Let's get more people advancing health and advancing technology to help bless other people. See, you and I probably will never read our own obituary, but we do have the moment today to recognize life is short, so don't waste it. Fourthly, I think he would say this. He would say, if the Lord wills, keep your faith. Like, even when it's hard, Keep your faith. Even when trials come, keep your faith. Even when you're, you're just absolutely overwhelmed and you feel overcome, you just keep your faith, even when life is hard. We talked about this last week. Is sometimes you need to dwell in attention that sometimes God will absolutely deliver, but for whatever reason, sometimes he doesn't according to his purpose and to his plan. And you know what? We can either get bitter at that or we can somehow get better. You know what the difference between getting bitter and better is? is when we get bitter, it's because we're pushing God away and we're blaming God and getting angry at God. But you know what happens if we get better? It's because we invited God into our pain. 
Have you ever done that before? You ever had a painful experience, a, can- a painful breakup, a painful letdown, a painful just in it? There was two ways you could have gone. You could have pushed God away and become bitter, or you could have invited him, invited him into the pain. And he would have shown you something. He would have revealed something to you. He would have presented himself in a new light, in a new way that you had never seen before. And it would have blown your mind. And because of that, you would have gotten better. I'm telling you that when life is hard, invite God into the pain. Invite God into the problem. So even when it's hard, keep your faith. Lastly, this is what David would say. And I, man, I love, I love, I love, I love what I'm about to talk about right here. David would say, long for heaven and the presence of Jesus because it's amazing. He would say, long for heaven and the presence of Jesus because it's amazing. And here's, here's what we know according to scripture. That the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And David, bless his heart, is able to breathe deeper than he has ever breathed before and run faster than he has ever run before and do things physically that, to have the body of an Olympian athlete. I mean, the, the, he has got a brand new body and he is in the presence of Jesus most importantly. It's not about just going to heaven and experiencing new things and getting cool stuff. It's about being in the presence of Jesus. And he would say, you know what? In all of our hearts, there needs to be a longing for heaven and a longing to be in the presence of Jesus. There ought to be that in us. Let, let, let me prove it to you. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Paul's at the end of his life, and he's describing this very thought. He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all, everybody say all, to all who have longed for his appearing. There's a crown of right. See, Paul lived his life longing to be with Jesus, longing to be in the presence of Jesus, longing to eventually be with Jesus. At one point, he was torn because he thought, it's, it's over, it's over, it's over. And he was wrong. It wasn't his time yet. But he said, you know what? Even if I die, it's okay. Because if I live, it's like Christ is living in me here on earth. But if I die, I get to gain everything by going to heaven. He's, David, if he were here today, I guarantee you, if he could come back, he'd say no. If he, if he got a chance to come back to earth and live, he'd say no. No, no, no. What he's experiencing now is better than anything you and I have ever experienced. Have you ever, have you ever said the phrase, it can't get any better than this? Have you ever said that before? Like, wow, oh, this is awesome. It can't get any better. Can I tell you? It does. So whatever moment that was for you where you said it just can't get any better for that, it, it does. And if you never had that, Keep pursuing Jesus. You'll have some moments like that. Let me read from you from Genesis chapter 21. The Bible says this. This is John seeing a vision and writing it down and describing it. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I could keep reading. If you go read, go read the entire 
chapter of Revelation chapter 21 and go on and read chapter 22, you get this incredible description. It even gives you the dimensions of the city of God and how many my you can do. It's fascinating. It's amazing. So whatever time period you said it can't get any better than this, I promise you it gets better than this. A few quick thoughts on heaven. Number one is this, is that the Bible says that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So here's what's fascinating. Wherever David is now is not where he will spend eternity. Because at the culmination of the ages, God says he's gonna make a new heaven and a new earth. And that's actually where we spend eternity. Peter says the same thing. The prophet Isaiah says the same thing, that God is going to basically recreate the earth and bring heaven to earth. Does it sound like a lot what Jesus says? He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. What? On earth as it is in heaven. And one day God will make it just so. Now we need to make it happen as much as possible as we can right now because we need to get prepared to be in heaven. Don't you think? So wouldn't we want to make earth as much like heaven now as we can so that we'd be prepared for it? Because see, some of us, if we went to heaven today, we'd be in shock. Some of us would have a hard time in heaven. Like for those of you who like have, a, have an issue with like racism and you don't like certain people, you're going to have a problem in heaven. I don't even know that heaven will be heaven for you. Like because there's going to be all kinds of folks up in there. Every tongue, every tribe, every... So you might as well get rid of your racism now because it's not going to last in heaven. God's going to burn that right off of you. Like your angerness, your bitterness, God's going to burn that all up. Torch that stuff right off of you. So you might as well make heaven come to earth now so that you're ready for it and so that it truly is heaven. Second thought is this, is the Bible says that God will dwell with them. That's never been done before. Not like there, not like it will be. That God's dwelling will be with us, that we will be. You know, if you keep reading the book of, of Revelation chapter 21, it actually says that there is no sun and there is no temple because there is the presence of Jesus and he lights up the entire place and that Jesus and the Father are the throne of God. Third and last thought is this, is that God, the Bible says, does away with death and mourning and pain. You know what's not in heaven? Headaches, back aches, Arthritis, cancer, worry, stress, cats. I'm just kidding. <laughs> death, maybe. Death, poverty, genocide, AIDS, paper cuts, you know, whatever. The old order of things has passed away. And David would say, if you, oh, I'm telling you, if he could come back, he would tell you long for heaven and the presence of Jesus because it is amazing. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is preparing a place for us, that Jesus has a place for us in his presence and that that is what we long for. And we long to, in the moment, to do his will, to serve him, to build his kingdom, to bring heaven to earth so that when we, we recognize it when we get there and we recognize that we're ready for it when it comes. And that becomes the motivating factor of our life, to do everything as unto the Lord because I just long to be in the presence of Jesus, to do what is right by him because I long to be in the presence of Jesus, to be able to bless and help others because I long to be in the presence of Jesus. And my life is on that track, on that road, and on that pursuit because I long to be in the presence of Jesus. There's this, uh, there's this woman, and it's a fascinating story. Her name is Florence Chadwick. It was back in the 1950s. She was a female swimmer. She's the first woman that ever swam across 
from basically the mainland over to England and crossed over the strait there. And she actually swam it both ways, not in one shot, but swam it both ways. And she was just this kind of famous swimmer from the 50s. And down off the coast of L.A., there's a island, it's the Catalina Island. And, and one day she had basically set up this thing where she was going to swim from the island to the mainland. And that day, of course, they have boats kind of swimming alongside of her to help her if she, you know, if she faints or whatever, to help her out so that she doesn't drown. She's not doing this all completely by herself. That would be freaky, wouldn't it? That'd be scary. But the story says that her mom was in the boat alongside of her. And, and the more and more she swam, they said it was a super cold and foggy day and you couldn't really see much of anything. But she kept swimming and she kept swimming. But eventually she got tired. Eventually she started to cramp up. Eventually she just became so fatigued. She looked up into the boat and said, I can't do it. I, I got to get out. And they told her, no, you can do this. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're almost there. And once again, she's like, I can't keep going. And they kept trying to encourage her, like, don't give up, don't quit. You're almost there. You can do this. And eventually she just laid still in the water, and they pulled her out because she couldn't keep making it. And when she got into the boat, she realized that she was only about a half mile away from land. And later when the reporter was asking her, you know, what do you think happened this time, or why weren't you able to kind of finish this race? She said, well, I couldn't see the ending. So I didn't know how much further I had to go and because I couldn't see the ending, I just, I lost hope and I, but she said this, she goes, I think if I could have seen how close I was, I would have kept swimming and I could have made it. And I think that story represents you and I because I think we forget the presence of Jesus. We think, we, we forget about heaven's reward. We forget about what God has prepared. The Bible says this. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has ever comprehended what God has prepared for his people. I'm telling you in your heart, you need to long for heaven and to be in the presence of Jesus. Because sometimes you need a little bit of don't quit. Don't stop. Keep going. You can do this. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep going. You can do this. I wanted to share that with you because I think those things represent David's life. And I think David's life, for me, over these last three weeks, has reminded me of these truths, reminded me of these ideas, and I wanted to invite you into that. I wanted you to experience what I experienced, what Marina experienced, what the family experienced over these last few weeks, so that you could partake in someone's life that lived a great life, and so that we could walk out of this place a little bit better than the way we walked in. Hopefully we'll walk out of this place laughing a little bit more often, being quicker to forgive, being quicker to say thank you and to be grateful for the little things. And above all, that in our heart we would recognize that God absolutely loves us and has prepared a place for us and we need to long to be in the presence of Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning. James said, don't, don't live presumptuously. Don't just keep on going, thinking, well, one day or in one year and down the road and maybe if. No, make it today. If you have a loved one that you need to reconcile with, make it today. You don't know. Life is short. Tomorrow is promised to no one. For some of us, we need to go and help someone, to encourage someone, to bless someone, to do something for someone else that could never pay us anything in return because life is short. 
It's but a mist and a vapor. It's here one minute and then gone the next. We need to be quick to forgive, to quick to bless, quick to build God's kingdom because we only have a moment in time. But you know what? For those of you who are in here today, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't say one day I'll make it right with God. Don't say one day I'll make it right with Jesus. Today is your day. Again, tomorrow is promised to no one. Where you, where you got to go? What do you got to do? What, there's nothing more important than you reconnecting with your heavenly father. There's nothing more important than you reconnecting with God, your creator. If you're in this place and you say, Todd, I've, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life and I know I'm not right with God, but I know that God brought me here today and I know today is the day, then here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I wanna reconnect you with the God who absolutely loves you. Because life is short and tomorrow is promised to no one. If you're in this place and you say, Todd, I need to get right with God today. I need to ask Jesus into my heart today. I need to be forgiven today. Then on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, and slip your hand up in the air. That's me today. I need to get right with God. I need to be right with Jesus. I need forgiveness in my heart. Amen. Look at those hands. Aren't you glad God brought you here today? Aren't you glad God had a message just for you, prepared for you? Let's do this, church family. Can we do this? I want you all to pray this prayer with me. And for those of you who raised your hand, here's what you need to know. There is no magical prayer. Like, it doesn't work like that. This prayer just represents you saying out loud, God, I need you in my life. Will you come inside? I'm turning to you. And so we're gonna pray this prayer all together, and I want you to pray it out loud as if you can hear it with your own ears. And just kind of repeat these words after me. Your prayer would go something like this. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and change my life. I need you. I recognize that I'm lost and I need to be found. I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I need you in my life. Help me, Lord, to know you and to follow you today and every day for the rest of my life. Jesus, it is in your name that I pray. And we all said a good gospel. Amen. 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 Yeah, give the Lord a big hand clap.